Last week I read several scriptures to you and I want to read a couple in particular. Uh, we're talking about the principle of first fruits. Now this is critical because I want to delve more into, how many of you learned something last week? Okay, you can pull out your smart devices. If you need to record me, it's fine. Um, normally, we, this will post to social media or to YouTube after the service. I want you to understand the, God's principle of giving. Last week, I spoke to you about God's principle of first fruit. We specifically pointed to the first fruit, but I showed you that, that this is not a principle uh, uh, apart from God's giving program. There's a principle of the offering, there's a principle of the tithe, and first fruit is a separate giving principle. But I want to explain something to you. None of the principles that are associated with giving have to do with money. None of God's financial principles have to do with money. Because there will be times you're going to find yourself in locations and situations where money can't spend. You will find yourself in isolation. You will find yourself outside of the scope where you can go and do exchange. And so you have to understand, I'm going to teach these principles from a spiritual perspective so you understand that first fruit in particular is a crazy principle that, that literally changed a part of my life. What you need to understand is when God first called me to do ministry um, years and years ago, I was poor. Now, the first church I pastored in, in, um, by Kurushnak, Germany, from 1986 to 1989, I was poor the entire time. And I pastored a people, we were in the military, but I pastored a people, um, it was a funny story I'd like to tell, is that I had people in Bible study, and I'd be teaching Bible study, and look up, and this thing got coke on their nose, and I'm teaching, and I go, <laughs> and, and, and we go, It was cool. You come and smell. We didn't care. I mean, we were just trying to give him the word. But folk was in my Bible study coming after doing lines. Now, I wouldn't rebuke him afterwards. It was not encouraged to, to, to get high. Or to, but they were doing it. They were they're drunk. That's what we were. But, and we were broke. I stayed out of ministry for two years or so. And then I came back serving as a music pastor. That's what I did for, the, uh, for about 12 years. And then when I passed on to pastor again, I was poor again. And God started showing me things that were bigger than I was. As a matter of fact, when the church grew to like 150 or so, the Lord um, uh, put on my heart to move the church to another city about 30 miles south. And when we moved, we were looking for property. Every building that I saw and, and said, this is our building, the Lord was saying no. Because it was small. Sometimes they will seat maybe two, three hundred. The Lord said, no, that's too small. And so finally I became frustrated and said, what do you want from me? I, I'm, I'm trying to do this within the range of my means. And the Lord says to me, your means are not big enough. So then I started to fast and pray about what is it that you're trying to do? Because we only had 180 people counting the pregnant women twice. No, the bank told us, the bank told us that if you're going to come to us to do business, you have to count the pregnant women twice. And I'm like, okay, why? They said, because we're counting giving units. The bank referred to the people in the church as giving units. That offended my soul. And so the, I, I would go to the Lord offended and say, just give us the money. We don't need the bank. And the Lord says, you need to submit, listen to this, to the program of the people you're dealing with. Listen to what I'm about to say. I was dealing with banks and did not know their language. Another thing I, that I, I found is that I feared bankers. And so Dr. Ivy Hilliard, Bishop, or, or actually Apostle now, Ivy Hilliard, who taught me a lot of, of the principles of, of, in Scripture concerning giving, told me, he says, here's what I need you to do to break your fear. I need you to go to the, go to the bank or call the bank and set up an appointment with the president of the bank to have lunch. 
telling him you're paying for it. And he said, here's what I want you to do. He said, wear a watch. And you, you said, get there early. And he, it was the, the, luncheon, the luncheon was for noon. He said, he shows up late. I want you to look at your watch and say you're late. Didn't make sense, but I said, okay. I invited the banker to lunch. And we, we or decided on this quaint spot. And so I was there for lunch. It was crowded. And people were getting a seat. And I put us on the, on, the, on the list for a table. And he was late. When he walked through the door, he said, I'm so sorry. I'm late. I said, you're, you're five minutes late. He says, my bad. He starts to explain to me. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, why is this banker trying to explain to me why he's late? He's busy. We sat down at the table. And he says, so what can we do for you? I said, I'm following a script that I was given. I said, I'm here to interview you to see if you're worthy to have our money in your bank. I said this in fear and trembling. It wasn't like we had hundreds of thousands. We had like $50,000 in the bank. We acting like we... But when I said that, he sat back in his chair and he said, what do you want from us? I said, we have ministry in mind. I was following the script until I saw his reaction. And when he became back-footed, automatically I became front-footed, moxie. Write that, uh, put that in your M-O-X-I, moxie. It just came out of nowhere. I did not know I could do business like that. The Lord was transforming me into a negotiator. Understand this. If, if that moment had not happened, I, you would not have ever heard of me. I would be dead. Let me tell you why. I'm going to get into the text in a minute. This very same banker, when the Lord told us to move the church 30 miles south, I was meeting with a guy when we finally found a building that we wanted. The building was huge. It was an old nightclub. It was the biggest nightclub in the city of Dothan. It had been shut down for an altercation that left the person either, either dead or near to dead. I never got the details, but I want you to understand this. Please follow the story. When I called the banker and said, hey, we found a building. I want you to meet with the owner. Us three sat in this empty building the guy, the owner told us the price. The banker interrupted the owner and said, that's too much. He took over the conversation and at one point said to the owner, um, we're not interested. He was trying to speak for me. So the owner turns to me and says, is he speaking for you? I said, no, he's not. So I asked the, the banker to stand down. He said, no. He said, we will not be buying this building. He said, let's go. And he got up and he walked off. I turned to the owner and said, I'll be back. I walked him to the door. Guess what I did on the way to the door? Anybody know? I fired him. There was no prayer involved. He disrespected us and I fired him. Here's what you need to understand. Bankers are not there to give you advice. The understanding was not advice. The understanding was we need to buy. Listen to, listen to my language. We were trying to buy a loan from that bank. We were trying to. You see, you think that they gave me, they don't give you no loan. So why are you talking about money? I'm, because I'm getting, into, I'm getting into some principles in a minute from the word of the Lord. And God's going to show you something concerning why money evades you. That even when you get it, you can't keep it. That other people around you can secure it and do their thing, but you're always in struggle mode. That's what we're talking about. This banker said to me on the way to the door, he says, Pastor, this is a mistake. He used the word. He said, this is an albatross. At the time, I did not know what an albatross was. He said, this will be an albatross around your neck. He said, we have a building one city over 
that you need to get. And on the way to the door, I said to him, but the Lord told us to come here. He said, I, I know you think it's the Lord. He said, but we're talking finances. When he said that, when he disrespected the voice of the Lord in my life, I fired him on the spot. I said, we, we, will, we will not be doing business with you. We'll come get our money from your bank. Let me tell you why it's important. Three years later, we're in the building that we finally bought. We worked out a deal through negotiation with the owner. Three years later, I'm, I'm a, on a Saturday morning, I'm standing in front of my leadership team teaching a class when we hear a, a tornado siren we i called my security guys i said should we take cover he said no pastor that's from the city up the road on that saturday morning a tornado ripped through the building that this banker told me they, the bank owned and we could get on the cheap right no one in the building survived Listen to me, if I had disobeyed God and downgraded his vision to something I could afford, you'd have never even heard my name. I would have died in 2003 in a building I was not supposed to be. Y'all think this is a game? You think this is a game? I'm here to tell you that one we, what the enemy uses against us a lot is that we, he, he knows that we are limited in funds. So everything that God tells you to do, you downgrade it to fit your little hands. So God's vision becomes your little vision, not big enough to help anybody. It's just the focus of your vision is us for no more, you and your family. Us for no more. And what you do, you rob God of the impact that he wanted to have in the community because you couldn't think bigger. Our goal is $500,000. That's nothing for God. So, Father, breathe upon this word and cause your people to understand all that we're teaching today in Jesus' name. I read to you on last week um, several scriptures. I want to put on the screen Romans chapter 11, verse 16, because I want you to see this principle again. Romans chapter 11, put it on the screen. I'm going to do a lot of reading from here. And we just flat for this teaching. I want us to read together because when we lift our voices, you are in instruction mode. Ready? Read together. If the door... Uh huh. Uh huh. This is the principle of first fruits. If the dough offered as first fruit is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. The principle of first fruit says that whatever happens to the first happens to the whole. This is not just a financial principle, this is the principle of initiation. So I want to give you some, some background about the word first fruit. In the Hebrew, the word is reshit. Reshit. The reshit is, matter of fact, uh, uh, Van, check me, the word, uh, bereshit uh, in Genesis speaks to in the beginning. Be, the word bereshit is translated in the beginning in Hebrew. And when we read that, we think, well, this is the, no, no. God is using the word reshit as a root word for a reason. It comes from the, the, uh, another root word, the word is rosh, which means the head or the beginning place. There are a lot of things in scripture said about, about, about Rashith that I'm going to share with you. Now, the reason I'm using language or ancient language to teach you is so you will understand that this is not a modern thing. 
When you consider in Hollywood, in New York, and in places where money is made by people groups, when you start to survey the people groups that's making the money, the Jews make more money in certain areas than any other people group. Most of the movie houses are owned by Jews. Most of the jewelry houses are owned by Jews. If you want to know who owned the biggest catalog of songs in the world, the Jews. And it's not because you say, well, Jewish people. No, 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 no. It's a spiritual principle. I'm not just talking about Jew- Jewish people as, as it really, you know, some people say, well, you know, these modern Jews are not the real Jews. I'm not having that conversation today. The conversation I'm having is the descendants of Abraham because of certain principles they initiate. And here's the thing that's interesting. Most are not religious Jews. But they operate on a cultural principle that came through the Torah, that it came through scripture for them, and it became a part of their life, and they implement certain rules and laws that we fence with, we, we fight with, we don't want to submit ourselves to because someone gets on TikTok and tell you the church taking your money. Let me tell you something. God does not need your money. You need God involved in your finances. You got it? So what I want to do is I want to I kind of read down and, uh, through my notes, and you're going to hear a lot of things that's going to stimulate your interest. There are spiritual principles associated with giving, which if followed, would release the blessing of the Lord on you and your our family and your resources. Principles. Everybody say principles. principles. The spiritual principle that governs the tithe and the spiritual principle that governs the offering are not the same. The spiritual principle that governs the tithe and the spiritual principle that governs the offerings are the same. People say, well, you know, pastor, tithing was under the law. It was under the law, but it did not begin in the law. It was not birthed in the law. Remember, first fruit, when we talk about this principle of Rashid, it it talks about the beginning place or the initiation of a thing. When you go back in Genesis, you will find that the tithe existed outside of covenant with God. It was the way that they honored this, the unseen realm. They took a tenth of, the, they, they, in their mentality, a tenth of what they received of anything belonged to the deity that they worshipped. The spiritual principle that governs the tithe and the spiritual principle that governs the offering are not the same. The, the term principle comes from a Latin word that means the beginning place or that from which something else is initiated. So a principle is a law. It's a consistent rule of order that is all-inclusive and basic to life. Take a breather. A principle is a law that is consistent, it's systematic, it's a rule of order, and it's all-inclusive to life. It's consistent because it happens all the time. It's consistent because it happens It's traceable. It's systematic because it happens in the same order every time. Paul said in the book of Romans 7, he said, I see a law that when I will do good, evil is always present. Why would Paul call it a law? Because it happened in the same order every time. My eyes see something, I'm affected by it, and then all of a sudden I'm obsessed with it. If you put it in terms, it's infect, affect, effect. Infect, affect, effect. They sound like the same to you, but they're not. Through this principle, Satan can get you to see something that is off limits to you. He can infect you with the image of it. It affects you emotionally. And then the effect of it is you can't stop yourself because you don't know how. Infect, 
affect, effect. It's a consistent rule of order. Why is it consistent? Why is it systematic? Because it happens all the time and it happens in the same order all the time. If I, so watch this. If I know it's the law, if I know that what Satan does is he infects me with a vision of something that's negative or that's wrong, and it affects me emotionally or mentally, and then the effect is I go do something stupid, in order to, if it's a law, well, let's back up. If it wasn't a law, I'd be in trouble because he can drop it on me anytime he wants to, and I, I have no defense for it, right? But if it's a law, I could trace it. If I could cut off the infect, I won't have the affect. If there's no affect, there'll be no... Come on here. You see how this works? So now I know that, that I, I, I'm single, I'm not married, and, and I don't get bothered till I see that on television. So what I do, the infect comes through the tube, so I cut that off. Now there's a principle behind why I don't watch certain things. Why? Because I don't want the infect. Because once the infect happens, there's always an affect. And when the affect happens, there's always a... Come on here. You just heard the Lord. You can go. No, no, but there's more. There's more. So watch this. So it, it gets even, even crazy. So a scriptural principle, a scriptural principle is a timeless, unchangeable truth. When we, so because some people say, well, you know, he's not preaching the word. He's preaching principles. But I want to show you why principles work. And we don't always preach principles. We normally doctrinal when we teach. A scriptural principle is a timeless unchangeable truth that operates in the earth. Listen to this. It operates in the earth whether or not it is acknowledged. A scriptural principle is a timeless, unchangeable truth that operates in the earth whether or not we acknowledge it. So right now, there are principles operating around you and you're not benefiting from it because you don't acknowledge it. When the Lord says, I will give you the power to get wealth. He was, listen, now you say, well, I didn't come to church to hear this. I want to hear spiritual things. This is a spiritual thing. You, you be, let me ex explain something to you. When, there's never been a time in my life where God put me on a mission to, to acquire anything for the kingdom of God that I don't come under spiritual attack. Why? Because there's a principle in the earth. If Jesus is king of kings and Lord of Lords, the, the, the principle, the premise in the earth is you can't be a lord without land. That's what the term, the difference between a prince and a lord. Listen, a lord, always, you can't be, you, matter of fact, when you hear of the duke of this or, the, or lord so-and-so over in, in, in England or whatever, you, the, the presupposition is they own land. That's why we call people land lords. Right? Why, why, do you think, why do you think that uh, when you go back and, and trace or God's dealing with men back to Abraham, it was all about the land? When Lot left Abraham, the Bible says that God says to not lift up your eyes and every, every place you see, every piece of property you see, he said, if, if the sole of your foot touches it, it belongs to you. God is a geographical God. He's a geographical God. He's about places. He's about people. And he understands, watch this now, there's certain things, there's territories he's given to you that demons claim as their own. So if you, if you move into Atlanta and you watch a TikTok video that say there's certain parts of Atlanta you don't go to. And in there, they're making jokes about it. Say, oh, you don't, if you end up over here, just know you're in trouble. But what they're not saying is because demons have laid claim to it. 
So if you go to certain places, you, you will get shot. You go to certain places, you will get robbed because demons are in control of it. And even the churches that are there stand down from demonic contact because they don't, they don't want none. They don't want the smoke. But what about God gets a people, puts them in a place, claims a land, and we do want the smoke. What, what, about, what about a people who understand our authority with God and God says, I want you to have this property in this place. When I, the building that we bought in Dothan was the biggest nightclub. And one of the craziest things that used to happen is people used to come when we have Saturday services and they would come thinking they would come into Club 95. There are people who have walked in and said, oh, my bad, I thought, I thought this was Club 95. We say, it is. Come on in. It's this Club 95 under different management. When I stood to preach in that place, the prophecy that God gave me was this. People that used to dance here will get saved here. We, we lost count at about three to 400 people who used to dance in that club, got saved in that club and called their church home. I'm here to tell you, this is, this is not, first of all, we're not new at this. This is something we do. But, but I, I'm trying to get you to understand how this involves you and why it's critical that you understand what I'm teaching. Spiritual principles are timeless, unchangeable truth that operates in the earth, whether or not it's acknowledged. Principles do four things. Number one, take note of this. You want to keep, remember these. Number one, spiritual principles in general show cause and effect. They show cause and effect. Principles do what show? That means if something is happening in your life and you don't understand why, that means you have to learn the principle. Because there's a principle behind it. If it keeps ha you keep getting the same effect and you can't find the cause, you need to find the principle. Number two, principles give us God's eternal perspective on everything. When we talk about spiritual principles, especially from the word, God shows us certain things. For example, um, the word uh, uh, Rashid, the fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the beginning of Wisdom, right? Everybody know that scripture, right? If you don't, let me, let me give it to you again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Say that out loud. The fear of the Lord is another place in Proverbs. I think Proverbs 1 and 7. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning place of knowledge, right? What's interesting when we get into this word first fruits again, it's the same word rashith. The fear of the Lord is the first fruits of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the first fruits of knowledge. Why would he's not talking about money? He's saying if you want wisdom from God, I'm talking about true wisdom, if you want the kind of knowledge that God qualifies as insight, he says the first fruit you have to sow for that is fear. Not phobia or phobos, like, like the Greeks say, not, not I'm terrified, but it is, it is intentional respect. Intentional reverence. It's me. It's a God consciousness where no matter what, what realm I'm in, what, what I'm doing business, my heart is I got to please the Lord. If they offer me something and say, you know, it's not exactly legal, I walk away from the deal. Why? Because I'm in there to, to, to please the Lord. The fear of the Lord governs me. I do nothing outside of what, God, what pleases God. I'm more interested in pleasing God than I am pleasing people. I will disappoint you on purpose to please God. Right? Get this, once, once that's my posture, now God says, once you've sown that first fruit to me, now I can begin to give you wisdom. Now I can begin to give you insight and understanding. Until you sow that, you can chase money all you want to. You can say, I got a deal on the table, the deal won't work. And if it, if it does, it will come with sorrow. I'm not cursing you, I'm just telling you the way it works. Satan uses money to bait you into situations you can't get out of. 
So principles show cause and effect. Number two, they give us God's eternal perspective on everything. Number three, principles show us how things work. If you can understand the principle behind a thing, you will know how it works. Like I said, there's a different principle for the offering, there's a principle for the tithe, and there's a principle for first fruits. Number four, principles explain the interaction. Listen to this. This is a critical one. Principles explain the interaction between man's decisions and God's power. Let me let that sit for a minute. Principles explain the interaction between decisions I make and the power that's released. So my mother is um, right now in a nursing home with a memory component. She lived with me until um, I couldn't manage her anymore. I didn't know what to do with, with her, her memory loss. And she was confusing me for other people. So my sisters, my siblings came down and said, heart, we got to take off your hand. It broke my heart. That's, she's my sweetheart. And I watched her going to decline. The last time I saw her, I, I showed up at the nursing home. And, I, and they said, what's your name? I told them who, who I was. I put my name on the thing. And I went up to her. And I said to her, I walked right up to her. And I says, hey. She looked at me and her kind self. She goes, how are you doing? I said, I'm fine. I said, I came to tell you I love you. And just thank you for just all you've done for me. And I could tell she didn't know who I was. My heart broke. But that moment was not about me. It was about her. And so after I talked to her, she said, you're welcome. Just kind. And I went and sat down and sulked in the hallway right about the, around the nurse's table. And the nurse came up to me and she says, she says um, what did she used to do? I said, she's a prodigy. She said, really? I said, yeah. Start teaching high school at 12 years old. Really? I said, mm-hmm. Genius. And she said, what happened? I said, don't know. And I sat there praying in the spirit saying, God, give me five seconds, ten seconds. Let her remember me before she leaves. I sat there for an hour. They rolled her past me. I left. I cried. Went back to the hotel. Came back the next day. Same thing. Didn't remember me. My sister reached out to me this week and she said, she said, hey, um, mom is on 94% oxygen. I don't think she's going to make it. Actually, my brother called and my sister gave me the information. I said, okay. And I said, all right. I went, I was, I was thinking about my prayer and I got upset, not with God, about my lack of understanding. When I went to prayer, I sat before the Lord and said, you said, call unto me and I will answer. You answer by fire. You answer by rain. You answer by flood. You can answer any. What, what, I, I submit to your will. But I just wanted to let her know I appreciate her. The clock is ticking. They rush her to the hospital. We're preparing for a funeral. We went back to pray again. Why? Because it's a principle. Everybody said principle. And the principle is that when it's, listen, it's not with God, it's not over till it's over. Sometimes God was, he will check you to see. Do you believe? What's your word? What, what, what would you say about this situation? And it came up in my heart. Some, some kind of way the Holy Spirit, I was praying in the Spirit that the Holy Spirit goes, you know you're being tested. It had never crossed my mind. I went back into prayer and I said, God. I trust you that you know what you're doing. And if, and, and if it comes to pass, I'm good with it. But if it doesn't, I'll still praise you. Watch this. Go, totally forgot, Saturday morning, going about my business, I get this text. My sister said, 
Mom wants to hear her children's voices. Watch this. I went. I told my wife, I said, I just got this text from my sister. Mom wants to hear her voices. We had a group chat, a group text. None of my siblings responded. I didn't even respond. I called. Hey, this is hard. And she said, my sister said, hey, mom is here. I go, hey. She said, hey. I said, I love you. She said, I love you too. I said, and I said, I said, you changed my life. And she said, no, I didn't. That's when I know it was her. <laughs> and that's when I knew she knew who I was. And so we have this conversation, and I got a chance to talk to her and tell her how I love her. I said, you've done some. And then after it was over, she went silent. And my sister said, I knew. She came in, she remembered me, and then she. Because we understand spiritual principles, watch this. Had I chosen to say, my, listen, number four, principles explain the interaction between man's decision and God's power. God will sit and wait for you to push. We are called hunger church, not because we're starving, but because we're passionate. And listen, there's a passion for God. We are not going to give up on things that, no, no. If God, listen, if God is holding out on us, we're going to press in. We're going to press in. And you say, well, but Pastor, you know, didn't you expect more? God gave me what I needed. She's 83 years old. God gave me what I needed. Let me explain something to you. I, 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 I said to the Lord, I said, God, I, I thank you. You are a little thing like that you're mindful of. What, what's happening in your life right now? That your decision away from activating the power of God. If you don't understand how principles work, you will rob yourself. You always find yourself sitting in the place of the compliant and the complaining. You always find yourself saying, looking at other people and what they got and what they're doing, and then look at yourself and saying, I didn't get that. All because you did not know the principle that governed the thing. So real quickly, let me go into this, these principles. I want to show you a couple of things about the tithe and the first fruit. There are those who argue that the tithe and the first fruit are the same thing. After I taught on last week, some of you were excited. You shared it with your friends and said, oh, that's not true. So I want to show you chapter and verse. The reason I'm putting scripture on the screen this week is because, and moving forward, is because you can't argue with what's in the text. Okay? So Malachi... There's a principle that governs the tithe, and most people are familiar with Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. It's famous for, will a man rob God? It's famous for bringing you all the tithe into the storehouse, but it is not the primary tithing scripture. You do understand that, right? Malachi chapter 3 is a second temple Jew experience where, where, where the, the, the Jews are being called back, the people of, of God are being called back to this covenant relationship concerning their, their, their wealth and their, their money. Now, I want to put a scripture on the screen for you. I want to we'll read this together. And I want to show you something. Now, how many of you remember the demonstration I did last week? Okay, I had 10 people come up, right? We turned to the right. And the, so the, the difference between the tithe and the first fruit is very critical for us to understand because everything about God, especially in the Old Testament, listen to this, tells a story. There are layers of truth. I'm going to make a statement, then I'm going to back it up. The tithe, I say this, the first fruit is about Jesus. The tithe is about you. The first fruit tells the story of Jesus. The tithe tells your story. And that's why you cannot let people, you say, I don't have any money. You don't, it's, it's not about money. 
listen, all a tithe is, is a, is a penny out of every dime, a dime out of every dollar. One, you see how it works? It's this one in 10. Everybody said one in 10. It, that's how it works. And God says, what I'm doing, if, God says, if you have 10, then, then nine of it is yours. The other 1%, the other one in there, or 10%, I snuck it in because I want to be connected to you. Listen to what I just said. So if you get a job, whatever they offer you, they offer you 10% more than it's worth. I don't care what it is, it's, if it's minimum wage. They're going to offer you 10% more, and you t- if you take the 10%, no matter what you make, and give it back to God, God is going to activate the 90% to do what it's supposed to do. Right? So put Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 on the screen. I want to read this with the saints. If you, get, if you got it, put it up there. Look at this. We're going to read some of it. So just, just follow along with me. Every tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land, or the fruit of the trees is the Lord's. Who does it belong to? Uh huh. You say, well, this is the, under the law. All the Lord did was expand and explain what God already put in place. Watch this. It is holy to the Lord. This word holy means, means a peculiar possession. That means it belongs to God. God put his name on it and, it and it became holy. Now, you don't understand what holy is, so I want to give you this little concept. When Moses turned aside to see the burning bush that was not being consumed, he walked up to the tree on property he had walked on probably for 40 years. That particular day, God says to Moses, take off your shoes from your feet, for the ground you're standing on is what? It wasn't holy before. The ground did not become holy until God claimed it. You didn't become holy until God claimed you. Notice this. You did not do anything. We don't do anything to be holy. He didn't say, do ye holy for for I am holy. He said, be ye holy. My behavior comes out of my be as a testimony to my believing. My behavior comes out of my being as a testimony to my believing that God claimed me as his. The word saint and the word sanctified came from the same Greek word hagos is is the word root. Get this, God says, every, every tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's, it is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem it, that means to borrow it or keep it for himself. He said, if a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he should add a fifth to it. A fifth is 20%. God said, you can borrow from me, but my interest rate is 20%. This, this is what under the law, here's what he said. He said, now I loan to you, but it's 20%. He said, every tithe, now this is a part of what you see. Look at verse 32. Every tithe of the herbs and flocks and every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy unto the Lord. Every tenth animal. Every tenth one. This blows my mind. Here's what he said. One shall not differentiate between good or bad. Neither shall he make a substitute for it. Let me explain that. Everybody look at me. This is going to help your life. The first fruit, the Bible says Jesus is our first fruit. Why? The principle is whatever happens to the first happens to the whole. So if the first doesn't struggle, and if the first is holy, and if the first is perfect, the whole, listen, the rest of the whole may struggle and may not be perfect, but it's not predicated upon my struggle or my imperfection, it's predicated upon the whole. Jesus is my first fruit. Shout that. Jesus is my, that's not a shout, but give me some more. That means whatever happened to the first fruit happens to the batch. 
First fruits is a story of Jesus. Tithing is, is your story. Here's why. Because verse 32 says, every, I'm going to change the word, every person that belongs to my herds and flocks, every tenth person of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy unto the Lord. You shall not differentiate between good or bad. I don't care if it's good or bad, it belongs to me. The Lord said, I don't care how you're struggling. I don't, care, I don't care what's going on with you right now. You belong to me now. Because you belong to me, I'm going to develop you. Because you belong to me, I'm going to discipline you. Because you belong to me, we're going to change something about you. But I want you to know this. You belong. Your, so the tithe speaks about your life. And watch this. In verse 32, again, it says that there's no, there's every, so the herdman stands with a staff. He could be blind. He could be blind. And he's taking his staff, his rod, and here's what he's doing. He's counting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. The Lord's. One, two, three, four, five, six. He's just looking around, chilling. Eight, nine. The Lord's. Every tenth one belongs to the Lord. How is first fruits different? Every first one belongs to the Lord. First fruits is the best of the first. Why does God want the best of the first? Because it's, remember, Rashith means the beginning place. It's the initiation place. It is the branding place. It, 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 I decide what it's going to be by what the first fruit is. How does this work financially? So let me tell you how it worked for me. When I got this revelation... I was in a meeting full of pastors, and these guys' churches were big. And when they called for first fruit offerings, guys were going up sowing 15,000, 20,000. I was so shamed. Number one, I didn't have authority from my board to do that. Number two is we can afford it. And my people, were, so the pastors were sitting on the floor, the people were sitting all around the building, and people were texting me saying, Pastor, are we going to sow? And I go, we're going to sow something. I was waiting until... I was so embarrassed because we didn't have anything. I was waiting until I got the courage to go up and sow my little $500. The guy before me, now they were doing it publicly. We're not going to do that. You're not going to get up here and announce what we We're not going to do that. I'm going to tell you why. Because I did it for years, and what I found out was it put pressure on the people that didn't, and they weren't giving willingly, and then the people who had it to give were becoming arrogant. And it was dividing the congregation. But back in the day, when I first was introduced to this, they were doing it publicly, literally by Le Leviticus 26. And I'm going to tell you what happened. Deuteronomy, I think it was. And what happened to me, I was like, I was just shocked. And the guy in front of me, I was hoping he'd give maybe a thousand or whatever. He gave, I think it was like twenty-five or $30,000. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and I started to walk away from the mic. But, but then it was on me. He said, here. And, 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 and he knew my name. He said, Ramsey. I said on behalf of, <laughs> and I sold $500 in shame. Watch this. And as I turned to walk away from the microphone, I, I thought to myself, this was a strategic moment. And the Lord's, the Lord's heart concerned it was, he said, you did it. That's what the spirit of God said. You did it. You finally, you broke through. I did not know what it meant. When we went back to Alabama, something happened. Can I tell this story? Yes. Oh, do these stories bother you? No. 
the renovation project that we were in for the building, the, the design builder gave us a bid for the build but not for the design. So we ran out of money. And he came into my office and he said, here, I got to talk to you. He said, we, we, we ran out of money. I said, what do you mean? I mean, you said it was going to cost X amount of dollars. We got the money from the bank to renovate. And he says, but there's a problem we found. He said, we did not bill you for the design and we were taking it out on the top. And I said, man, you, you, what did you do to me? And he's in tears. He said, I'm, I'm sorry. He said, I'm sorry. He said, it was, not, it was a, an honest mistake. I said, okay. I sat in my office. Here's what I said to God. What are we going to do? As I sat there in the dark in my office, all of a sudden God brings these ideas to mind. I called the banker up and I said, Harry, we have a problem. <laughs> I called the president of the bank. We have a problem. He said, what's a problem? I told him the situation and guess what he said? We have a problem. So he comes over to the building and he looks around and he says, okay, he said, you're almost done. He said, how much you need? I said, $450,000. He took a deep breath. He said, I'll call you. He left immediately. All of my contractors, I, call, I told my secretary, get every contractor over here right now, line them up. Um, they're going to see me one after the other. I sat in my office. They'll come in. I said, hey, listen, I owe you $10,000. Right now, I can only pay you five. Can you give me more time? Almost to the contractor. You know what they said? Give me what you can give me, and we'll write the rest off. Almost to the, only one person out of all the, there were like 12 contractors. Only one contractor said, so Dr. Hardy, um, we gave you all the, the discount we can give you, but what we can do is give you six months to pay the rest of it off. I said, we'll deal. All of a sudden, these people were so compliant and agreeable, and the banker called me and said, guess what? He says, oh, on your way out of town, come by and sign for the rest of the money. My credit was garbage, and he made, I signed for a $450,000 signature loan. Watch this. Let me show you something. So, 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 so I start to ask, why is this happening? And the Lord reminded me of me standing in that line in fear and trembling, but, but, but so embarrassed that all we had to give was $500, but all the other churches were giving thousands to, to this project they were, they, were, they, were, they were carrying on. And I gave it in faith, and when I walked away, I felt horrible, but God was like, okay. You have broken through in a principle that will change your life forever. Never again will you be in financial straits. Every time you undertake a project, I will be there for you. I will be your God because you trusted me. The problem with, listen, the problem with us is we don't trust God if we don't have the money. I said the problem is we don't trust God if we don't have the money. So my question to you is if you don't trust God because you don't have the money, who is your God? Mm. Stirring the pot. I'm shaking the table. When you lose the job, you say, I don't know what I'm going to do. Wait, who was your God all along? The principle works. So the principle of the tithe is very simple. The tithe is a tenth that is given back to God out of my income, watch this, to acknowledge his blessing and his favor. The tithe is not about money. It's about God trusting me with his stuff in my stuff, and I acknowledge you put your stuff in my stuff here, I take your stuff and I give back to you. But what we do, we become, we become overly concerned about the 90% not being able to meet the need, not understanding 
that there's a scripture that says, watch this now, when you give God the tithe back, he reckons the whole thing is his. The word reckon is a mathematical term. The, it, when, you, when you balance books, you're doing some reckoning, right? So imagine this. When you bring the tithe to God, God doesn't just say you gave me the tenth. God says they gave me the whole of the threshing floor. They gave me the whole field. They gave me the whole check. They gave me the whole farm. They gave me the whole business. When you tithe back to God, God says, okay, it all belongs to me. When you have a problem, and you will, because the devourer will always try to come. That, de- that devourer attacked me in that office. But I'm going to tell you what happened. My mind, became, my mind became a weapon. All of a sudden, I start, to, I start to see clearly. Watch this. I start to see clearly that if I call these, I just knew if I called these people and told them the truth, they're going to give me a deal. And every one of them except one was able to cancel part of the debt. The banker, when I told him, I said, Harry, we, we, I said, Harry, we have a problem. Harry became, Harry became my partner until, for the entire time I did business with them. Matter of fact, I found out that when he retired from the bank and started doing accounting consulting, he would tell the story of Hart Ramsey. Not because I was special. It was because I was the one person that he saw. He, 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 saw, he saw me trust God. He, I came in in my suit, my old cheap suit that was curled up at the back and sat before him. It was the best suit I had. And when he, when he says, he said, well, we want to do the deal with you. I said, I, said, I have bad credit. He said, we know. I said, I said, I just filed bankruptcy two years ago. He said, we knew that too. And I said, you going to still do the loan? He said, yes. And he, I says, what's the interest rate? He said, 8.5%. I said, can you do six? He looked at me like, eight. I said, six and a half. He said, I like you. He said, seven and a half. I said, seven. And he said, 7.25. I said, Done. He turns to the guy with me and he goes, I like this guy. In fear and trembling, you know what I was doing? You thought I was trying to get a deal? I was testing to see if this was God or was it me? Because God can save by a few or he could save by many. God, when I'm, when I'm in the lion's den right now, I have no business being there. And God has called me to build something. He has to test my metal. Can I lead his people? And I have to test my God to see God. Are you the one? You told me to prove you in this. And I've sown it. I have tithe of, of, of my income, of my increase. I've given it back to you as an acknowledgement that you have favored me and that you have blessed me. I just need to know one thing. Is anybody getting stirred from this? Okay, then you're kind of like a Presbyterian church. I mean, I want to make... No, y'all keep listening. Listen, so, so, so remember I made the statement. So tithing existed before the law and the difference between the first fruit and the tithe is first fruit is the best of the first harvest and tithing is the first tenth regardless of what it is. God will release the same blessing on you whether you're tithing from $10,000 or $10. That's tithing. And we're going to do a whole teaching on that. This is just the introduction. But I said, I talked about representation. Look at the story. Jesus is the first fruit. Whatever happens to him happens to all the people that come after him. But the tithe is you. What does it mean? It, remember, the, the, part of the principle of the tithe is whatever passes, the tenth thing that passes under the law, under the rod rather, belongs to me, belongs to God. And God says, whether, he said, whether it be good or bad. And the Lord is saying concerning you, whether you're having a good day, a bad day, a bad season, or what, I, I want you to know, I still claim you. So under, watch this. So in, the, in first fruit, 
In first fruit, if the first thing, if the best of the first is not that good, then, then once, you, once you say, this is my first fruit, it becomes holy unto the Lord. God does not claim it till you vow it. What did I just say? So there's no part of your, of your increase right now that that's God calls first fruit. You, can, you don't ever have to give God first fruit and you will not be penalized. The program that we're about to do, you don't have to get involved. There's no penalty. None. But once you say, this is my first fruit, then God says, this is holy unto me. And now he uses this as the basis and the foundation for your future moving forward. As a matter of fact, the word reshith uh, has a... Has a uh, 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 Antonym, I think it's um, uh, it's called Anashith. I got I got to look it up. I think it's uh, I want to get it right. It, we have Reshith and Anathith or Anashith. Uh, do you know what it is, Van? Van is, is searching for me. It's Arahith. Van, that's what it is. It's Arahith. It's Arahith. Matter of fact, I want to show you something. In Ecclesi- if you have Ecclesiastes chapter seven verse eight, I don't know if you have it in the back. If you don't, I'm gonna read this for you. You've heard this before. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. How many of you ever heard a scripture before? Sit out, sit out, I say, better is the end of a thing. So when we read that, right, we, we can make it, make it mean all kinds of things. But the root words, the, the Hebrew words is what makes it come alive. Here's what he says. Better is the arahith of a thing than its rashith. Translation. Better is the outcome than the first fruit. But wait, 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 let me help you all out in case you didn't get it. I'm going to give you the definition of the word arahith. Outcome, future, result. Better is the outcome of a thing. Better is the future of a thing. Better is the result of a thing than its rashith or its first fruits. What he's saying is this. Is when you bring the first fruit, no matter how small you think it is, the outcome of that first fruit is going to be way better than what you invested in it. The idea that God says is... I only need the first fruit to establish what the future is going to be. Here's what's crazy. You ready for this? Whatever happens to the first fruit happens to the whole. And because of the principle, God allows you to suffer. Why? Because the first fruit suffered. But Jesus said, if I do these works, then greater works. Well, why could he say it? Because it's the principle of first fruits. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. There's a scripture that I'm looking for, and I, I intend to find it. I'm all over the place, and these people in the back are freaking out. What is he doing? Okay? 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 42. Put it on the screen for me. We're going to deal with this. Everybody look at me. I want to help you out with something. We're almost done. Do you know that almost every miracle that Jesus did, there was a scriptural reference for it? In other words, he was literally doing what he saw in the Bible. How many of you did not know that? Put your hand up. Okay? When, as soon as they put 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 42 up there, when they find it, we're going to jump right into it. And here's, here's what, what it comes down to. So, scripture documents, and we're going to, matter of fact, the, the, my teaching today was supposed to be <laughs> the blessing of the first fruit. And when they find that scripture... Tell you what, when you find the scripture, hold it, I'm going to get to it. The f- there are seven promised blessings concerning the first fruit that I want to give to you. I'm not going to get to all of them right now. I may have to pick them up and touch point Tuesday, but I'm going to say this to you. Number one is, I'm going to give them to you real fast, and then we're going to unpack them in v- uh, various order. Number one is this. 
First fruits allows God to bless your barns. Okay? In the scriptural terminology, the Bible talks about baskets and barns. We talked about this last week. You will notice in the scripture that when it talks about baskets, it's always on the go. So I'm going to let you modernize it. Barns are always in place. So what would you call in modern day terms, if God is going to bless your basket and your store or your basket and your barn, we know the barn could be a savings account. What's the basket? Who said that? Is anybody got a wallet? Pull your wallet out. Your wallet ain't saved. If you have, you say, I don't carry anything, but I got, I got a smart device. I pay. Okay, hold that up. I'm going to show you something. Do you know that, is my wallet here? Give, give, me, give me my backpack. Give me my backpack. In my backpack. I want to, I ain't gonna do this for you. I do it for me. I want to. Oh, there you go. So, here's the interesting thing. I got to the place where I hate debt. Matter of fact, I, I only have death on big stuff. My, my preference is to buy stuff cash. If I can't buy, pay cash for it, work out a deal to get it in, in small installments. But let me show you something. The Bible says, God says, I will bless your basket. And your store. Can I ask you a question? Be honest. Do you ever think of your wallet or your clutch being blessed? Do you think it makes a difference if you do? Remember this. The principles of God operate in the earth whether we acknowledge them or not. And words are things. I don't believe that. I think you all put too much. No, no, no. I'm not preaching a prosperity. You said this is a prosperity gospel. I do not preach the prosperity gospel. I don't believe it. But I believe that the gospel is always prosperous. Can I give you chapter and verse? Here's what the Bible says. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto sozo, unto salvation or soteria, unto deliverance, unto health, unto well, that's, that's the whole word soteria. The power of God is invested in the gospel. There's no way we could continue to preach the gospel and you say, well, well, you're talking about money. Wealth and prosperity is not about money. Some of you right now don't need money. You need friends. Some of you don't need money. You need peace. Some of you need a safe space. Some of you need healing in your body. You don't need money. Money, you say, well, I have money, everything. Money does not make everything better. As a matter of fact, if you don't know how to manage money, it makes everything worse. So, th- look, look, hold your wallet up. Say, this I hold in my hand. This holy instrument has the blessing of God upon it. Now, let me show you something. Some of you say it, but you don't believe it. Keep it up there. You don't believe it. You, you're all embarrassed. We're going to work through your embarrassment. Say, God has blessed my wallet. And my savings account. I hear the Holy Spirit say some of you, some of you don't have a savings account. You're going this week and you're going to open up a savings account. Make sure they don't charge you to open it. You want a savings account that has no fees attached to it. Some of you could afford to get a money market account if that pays you interest. You're going to open a say this out loud. Say, I will. 
this week, open a savings account. Here's why. Say, God blesses my basket, and he blesses, blesses my store. He blesses my wallet, and he blesses my savings account. Shout this out loud. Say, it is so, and it shall not be otherwise. God is not a man that he should lie. If he promised it, he will bring it to pass. Now give him a praise on top of that right there. Come on. We're not done yet. We're... No, no, come on. You could give God something. I know you hunger church. You got more than that. Yeah. Stir. Now watch this. I'm going to show you something. Be, be, right now, at this moment, be careful of your heart posture. No, 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 no. Listen, be careful of your heart posture. God right now is checking heart posture. If you despise the word of the Lord, it shall not be unto you. No, no, I heard the, heard the Holy Spirit say that. Do not despise the word of the Lord. Have a seat for a minute. We're almost done. Put, I need second Kings because I need to show the saints something. There was a reason that Jesus was able to multiply the food for the 5,000 and for the 4,000 on separate occasions. It was a principle at work. I want to show you how the principle of first fruit. Remember now, Jesus got his faith from the word of God like you get your faith from the word of God. You say, well, he just came into the earth as the son of God. But the Bible says he had to learn like you have to learn, obedience. Watch this. Amen. What'd you say? Prophesied. No, no. I don't know what you said, but I, I, I received. Huh? We are too. Everybody shout, we hungry. We're hungry. No, we, we about to get you out of here. Watch this. Check this out. <laughs> don't you love children? <laughs> watch this. <laughs> it's like, I don't like this. I don't, no, watch this. <laughs> I used to have children come up to preach with me in Germany, the funniest stuff. A man came from Baal Shalisha, bringing the man of God bread of the first fruits. He made a trip to see the prophet to bring him bread from the first fruits. Here's the process. He got his harvest. The first uh, harvest he got, maybe barley or wheat. He pulled off a piece of it. He, did, he went through the process and he baked bread. He took the, he looked at all the bread that came out of the first baking. He took the best one and he traveled to where the prophet was. 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And Elisha said, when he brought the first fruit, give to the men that they may eat. Next verse, I want to show you something. This is going to blow your mind. But his servant said, how can I set this before 100 men? So he repeated Give them to the men that they may eat. For thus saith the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. And so he set it before them, and they ate and had some left according to the... What's the next verse? What's the next verse? Is that another verse? Is that another verse or was that it? Oh, that was it? Okay, good. Now let me show you something. What does this look like? So when Jesus now is... Preaching to a mass crowd, a massive crowd, 5,000 men, not including women and children. You do the math, we write about 21,000 people. And he asks his disciples in John 16, the Bible says he said to them, um, he says, you need to feed them. 
And the disciples were like, what? We can't feed all these people. And the Bible said this. Jesus was testing them for he already knew what he was going to do. Listen to this. He already knew what he was going to do. When God says, when God says, I said, Lord, I said, Lord, can we, can we do this with as little cash necessary as possible? Why don't you bring it all the way down? Why would God put us in a position where we have to give anything, especially something that may be above what we have? Because God already knows what he's going to do. But he's, watch this, but he's trusting that in this process, he's going to give you testimony for your future. Do you notice that every building or every project that I've done in Alabama, I have a testimony behind it? Because God was in it. And when God is in it, there's always a testimony. Get this now. This is interesting. This is interesting. Jesus says, here's what they said. We said oh, he said, what do you have among you? And he said, all we have is a little boy. That has what? Five loaves and two fish. And Jesus activates the principle of first fruits. When, watch this. You act, he activates the principle of first fruits. The disciples know, they had to know the same scripture. They knew the scripture, but they didn't see it as something they lived by. They saw it as something that he knew and shouted on. He takes the boy's lunch with the mentality of this is the first fruit of what God's going to do. He lifts it up to heaven and he blesses it. And he tells them, they each get a basket. He breaks a little piece off of each one, puts it in the basket and say, go feed the multitude. Watch this now. Now, I want you to get the mindset. There are 21,000 people there, about. 5,000 men, the Bible says, not counting women and children. If I were one of the disciples, I'd be like, <laughs> what you just put in here is not enough to even. But they understood something because no one questioned him. Could it be that the, that the scriptures does not document all he said? Could it, or could it be that they knew that when he took it and offered it, that the prayer he prayed was a first fruits blessing? Either way. The Bible says the disciples with covered baskets go about and they're feeding the people. And the more they fed, the more it multiplied and multiplied. According to the scripture, they, watch this, they shall, they shall eat, what is this? Give them, give them to the men that they may eat. For, for thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have what? And the Bible says that at the end of that feeding of that massive crowd, guess what? There was some left. It's a principle. That right now, remember this, when the Bible says, the, the Bible says that, uh, that the rashith or the first fruits, the fear of the Lord is the first fruits of wisdom, it means that this is, this is where it begins. Your first fruit is where your future begins. I'm not telling you what I heard, what was preached to me. Because when it was preached to me, I was like this. I'm from the streets. I'm ashamed to tell you all this, but I'm going to say it anyway to the glory of God. I, as a guy, I, I once bought baking soda thinking it was Coke. I, I'm that guy from Liberty City. Until I learned to, to, to check the, the product before. Well, anyway. I digress. <laughs> and, and that was not necessary for this service. But <laughs> so I'm saying to you, I'm the dude from the street that don't trust nobody. What you mean by what are you talking about, right? And that's how I was when I first heard him teach this. I was like, my head was like this. This is a scam. I was looking around. 
They run the game, yo. That's what I thought. But when my life started to shift and God started to do things that, it got to the place where I got a call from one of my friends who was famous. He had the number one song in the world at the time. He called me, he goes, I've never seen such favor in a person's life. Like I see, I was telling my wife about this. I've never seen such favor. And I said, favor in my life? I said, man, dude, your song is number one in the world. He said, but I've never seen what God is doing. He said, no, no one ever heard of you. They heard of me. They never heard of you. Yeah, he was talking. He said, TBN just showed their 30, 30th anniversary. And all the clips they could have shown, they showed one of your clips. He said, there's favor in your life. And I listened to this man who was in this power position. And when he said, there's favor in your life, you know what I said? There's favor in my life. So now I'm going to say something to you that nobody probably has ever said to you. There is favor on your life like you can't believe. You just have not activated it yet. And God is going to use this process, this project to activate the favor on your life. This is going to be a prosperous year for you. The doors of success has been opened. The doors of failure have been closed and you shall not know defeat for this is a prosperous year for you. The doors of success have been opened and the doors of failure have been closed and you shall not know defeat for this is a prosperous year for you. The doors of success has been opened. The doors of failure have been closed and you shall not know defeat and being fully persuaded that what God has promised he is able also to perform it in Jesus name. You better give him something. Give him what you got.